1: Now,
2: here's Paul's encouragement again to the Philippians. Look what he writes. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know that God's at work in you if you're a Christian? He doesn't take vacations, He just keeps working on us. Now, it's all a work of grace, and I have to submit to Him. I don't want to ever say, God, no, I'm not interested. I
0: want you to work at me through the person of the Holy Spirit. Life can be a real grind. Successes and failures, and failures after having successes, can really wear on a person. As a Christ follower, you know that you aren't doing life like you should, and you get frustrated with yourself. Sometimes you might even think that God's going to give up on you, just like you want to give up on yourself. But Pastor Mark will be teaching that this thinking is not how God thinks. You'll discover that God's attitude toward your struggles is a little different than your own might be. You'll hear some encouragement to carry on through the efforts you might be having. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, as he continues his message, following the leading of the Holy Spirit.
2: Now look what Paul says here. Avoid, keep away from every kind of evil. Notice what Paul's commanding. Hold on to the good. At the same time, keep away from every kind of evil. When you speak about evil, Paul mentioned that all through the scripture. We're supposed to be separated under God. You'll see in a moment. We missed this one. I specifically left it out. Look at First Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and everyone else. So what Paul is saying is, this is evil. You can't pay back evil for evil. When I'm hurt by somebody, what's my natural reaction? Oh, bless you, brother, (laughs) sister. What's my natural reaction? You won't say it then, but you'll go home and go like, I got to figure a way to what? Get even. Am I right? I got to figure a way to get even. No, that's, that's evil. That's the wrong nature. That's not who we are. Evil for evil? No way. So we can't get revenge. Paul knew those principles. Let me read to you what he says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of God. Everybody. If it is possible, as far as it is, depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, why would Paul write that? Because our old sinful nature, what's to what? Get even. But that's not the way we do it. Now, I want you to think about something. He says to leave justice to God. Just leave it for God. By the way, do you know that in the end, a lot of people today say, God, why do you let these people get away with this? Why are they killing all these Christians, massacring them? God, are you ever going to pay them back? Oh, he's going to pay them back. But you and I don't have any right to do that. He's a just God, and he will pay them back right. Don't get angry. Just leave it to God. Amen? See, retaliation is never justified. doesn't mean they were right. Just forgive them, because we've been forgiven. I read this great story. I thought it was so funny. You may not, but you laugh for me anyway. Okay, here we go. (laughs) If we try to get revenge, we're as foolish as the man who drove his brand new car into an old park car that he had in the driveway. Smashed them both. And the police department was called, and they came, and they asked him to explain his actions. And he said this, I own both cars, the old one and the brand new one. And he says, I was taking revenge on my old car because it had given me so much trouble in the past. That's called stupid That's one taco short of a combination plate. See, if you're going to get revenge, you will never get revenge. Here's the idiot now with two smashed cars. And he's thinking he got payback. Well, how can I really do what Paul says, keep away from evil? I can't. Because our world is ruled by Satan. It's an evil world. We're in a spiritual warfare. And one of the things that Satan loves to do is tempt us to do against what God wants. So it's impossible to avoid every contact with any kind of evil. But there solutions all through the word of God. And the one person that will help you more than anyone else when temptation and evil comes is the Holy Spirit. Because he speaks to us and corrects us. Don't do that. Let me read to you from Proverbs, Old Testament. Solomon, the wise man. Guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Now, here's the two keys. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on that path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now, you understand that. The Holy Spirit always warns us when we get close to temptation. Don't go there. Don't do that. Now, think about this. You've heard this story many times. A mother wakes up, goes into her room where her young daughter is asleep and finds out the young daughter has been sleeping on the floor. And she says to her young daughter, what are you doing on the floor? Why in the world did you fall out of bed? And the young child says, mom, I think I slept too close to the edge. Now, when we get close to the edge, to doing evil, is there anybody to warn us? Yeah, he lives in us. By the way, he will quite often use your name, Balmer. Don't, not my name, your name. Don't go there. If you go against the Holy Spirit, you will end up in trouble too. We all will. That's why he's the convictor of even Christians. You've gone too far. Don't go there. Now, What Paul is saying is not just evil, but abstain from the appearance of evil. Don't play around like you're playing a game. That's not who you are. Be a person who's thinking right and living right. Could you just turn to your neighbor right now and say, let's steer clear of evil. Come on, let's steer clear of evil. Amen. Now, to do that, look at verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, pay attention to that. I'll be right back to it, be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is encouraging them. He's saying this, the moment you got saved, peace came into your heart. See, I have peace when I ask God to forgive me of my sins and I became a Christian because the peace of God came to rule in me along with the Holy Spirit. So Paul prayed that God would give them peace and sanctify them. Now, that's a strange term to us. Here's the definition of it. It's a process whereby a person is set apart from God. See, you are different. You're not better than an unbeliever, but you're different because God lives in you, the Holy Spirit itself specifically, to make you more like God. And so I'm going to be set apart to do his will. Now, look back at verse 23 again. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. When you were created, a human, you were created in the image of God. God is a three part being one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you were created, you were created in the image of God. So man was created a tripart being spirit, soul, and body. Let me explain to you what that looks like. Here it is very simple. The spirit is that part. That relates to God. It's the real you. It's the real me. My spirit, your spirit, will never, ever, ever die. It will either be in heaven with God or in hell with Satan. The spirit is the part of us that lives forever. Now, my soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions, basically my desire. And the last part of me is this old tent that we live in right here. It's our body. It's my flesh. It's a temporary tent. And that's where our five senses come and our motor responses. Here's what happened. When man was created, he was created in a certain order. Spirit, soul, and body. The spirit was to rule man, his spirit. Now, the spirit part of man ruled It means he was in contact with God. Remember, the Bible says in Genesis, Adam and Eve walked with God. They were in unison. There was communication. There was intimate relationship. So it's spirit, soul, and body. When Adam and Eve decided to say no to God's one law, everything changed. When they did that, here's what happened. The whole sequence changed. Man was now ruled, sinful man, by body, soul, and here's the big deal. The spirit died. It was dead in sin. Now think about that. When man fell into sin, the order was reversed to body, soul, spirit. The spirit part of man died. That death destroyed man's relationship with God. That's why man couldn't ever get back in relationship with God. Man was now ruled by his body, his sin nature. I'll do it my way. That's why they sinned. We're going to eat from that tree? We don't care what you said, God. We're going to eat. And that means what's going to happen is carnal appetites control our life. Every unbeliever is operating by that order, body, soul, and spirit. The body, the carnal part of nature, man, just rules. God's spirit isn't alive. Remember in Ephesians, we were all born dead in our trespasses and sin. We were separate. Death means separated. We were separated from the wisdom of God. But Jesus had a solution to this. One day, a very religious man, Jewish man, Nicodemus, Nick at night, he came at night to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, I understand God, but I don't get all this. I'm a good person. I keep the religious things of the Jewish people. And Jesus said to him in simple words, you must be born again. Well, he didn't understand that. You know, How can I go back to my mother's womb? and all? Jesus said, no, no, born from above, spiritually born. Your spirit's dead. You have to be born again. And so later, he didn't get it there, but later he became a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, he was at his death and burial and resurrection. He was part of that. So here's what happens. The minute you become a Christian, not only do you get the Holy Spirit to come in you, but here's what happens. The next thing immediately changes back to the way God made you, the way God made me. Spirit, soul, and body. So what is supposed to now rule our life? Tell me. And what spirit speaks to my spirit? You can go home. Does it make more sense to you now? You see, you can't do life led by the body. It's your carnal nature. You will always do evil. You will always be empty. You will never have purpose in your life. But our world doesn't get it because they're blinded by Satan. They want to do their own thing. See, if I give into the flesh, I'll live like the flesh. But if I'm led by the spirit, I'll be led by the spirit. That's what you want to be. So this is what Paul's talking about there. That solution is a God thing. That order is exactly right. You want to live a life that's ruled not by your old sin nature, but by Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, who lives in you. Now, notice this challenge to be blameless in our relationships with God and other people. Well, it doesn't mean you're ever going to be perfect. It just means you're going to be growing and maturing. Well, most of us are going to say, like, well, Pastor Mark, you don't know me. I'm not like perfect. Well, Paul knew that. He got to the end of his life and he says, I haven't arrived yet either. So, watch the encouragement he reads in verse 24. If you like to write in your Bible, just write verse in 24, just write the word hope H O P E. Watch what he says. The one who calls you, God, is faithful and he will do it. In other words, he'll sanctify you. He'll keep you set apart. He'll warn you when you're going to the bad places. When you sin, he'll forgive you. His grace is greater than your sin. Now, he's faithful to complete the work he has begun. God didn't save a person by grace and then say, have a nice life. See, that's why we get people into small groups. That's why we have discipleship. When you come to Christ, that's the first step. But now you have to be discipled. You have to learn how that works because you don't know. That's why we give a Bible, a New Testament Bible. The first 50 pages tell brand new believers how to walk with God because you don't know how to work. You've never walked with God from an unbeliever. You don't get it. So we all are that same way. So now here's Paul's encouragement again to the Philippians. Look what he writes. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know that God's at work in you if you're a Christian? He doesn't take vacations. He just keeps working on us. Now, it's all a work of grace, and I have to submit to him. I don't want to ever say, God, no, I'm not interested. I want you to work in me through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 25 may surprise some of you. Look what Paul says. Brothers, pray for us. He's talking about Timothy, Titus, Himself, he says, pray for us, pastors. Now, why would Paul ask for prayer? Because he knew he was insufficient for what God had called him to do. I can't do it, God. We need prayer. By the way, how many of you know you're insufficient to do what God calls you to do? <laughs> I'm going to go like this and just wave like, like crazy. Well, Pastor Mark, your gift to like, look, I'm insufficient. But whenever God calls you, he equips you. But how does he do that? With people praying. Thank you for praying for me and all the pastors. The people that are standing in front of you, the musicians, all the leaders and whatever, we can't do it by ourselves. But I have the equipping of the Holy Spirit. He enables me. He challenges me to do exactly what God asks us to do. Now, he's faithful. He will absolutely take it happening. Now, here's the fun part. By the way, why do we have prayer down in front at the end of the service? Because you need prayer. You need to pray. We pray for you. We have people here to pray for you because we all need prayer. So don't ever be ashamed of coming down and say, well, I need prayer. Good. We all do. Now, look at verse 26. You're going to love this verse. Greet all the brothers, Paul says, with a holy kiss. We are all going to practice that at the end of the service. So put a breath mint in your mouth, if you will, right now. It's on the cheek only, but uh, just don't remember. Now We're going to practice it. Relax. <laughs> I never lie. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Why would Paul write that? Well, because it was common culture in those days. That men would greet other men with a kiss on the cheek. Women, the same way. By the way, if you've ever gone to Europe, have you seen that? Yeah, it's practiced a lot. We don't live in Europe, so we just kiss on the mouth. No, we do not, And that's it's your wife or husband. So why would he say that? You know what he was trying to say is, we're family. We're God's family. Aren't you glad we have a great family? We have a great God. And so we're supposed to be warm. We're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to shake hands and love each other. So what do we do? This outward sign of love for one another. What do we do? Well, simply here, probably for us, it's better what? Just a, a handshake with somebody. Look in their eyes. See, I appreciate you or whatever. Thanks for being part of our family. Or maybe a, maybe a what? A little pat on the back. Okay, now if you go more than that, You'll probably be arrested before you get out of here. That's our society anymore. All right? Am I right? Be careful. And ladies, a hug's okay, but know how to hug. If you don't get that, something's wrong. Okay. By the way, Paul said, "Do it with a holy kiss." Do you understand that? We never do it with another motive. We're human. We're carnal. We do it in a loving way. So you're going to practice that when you leave. That's what you're going to practice. Shaking hands, smacking, I mean, loving them right on the back. (laughs) Because we're what? We're family. By the way, we're going to be in heaven together. You might as well get used to it. Okay? All right, good. So Paul is just saying that, I love you guys. I love you guys. It's fantastic. Now watch at the last side of it. Look at verse 27. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter. How many like people saying, I command you? Mm, But it's true. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter out loud to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, why would he do that? Well, think back 2,000 years ago. This church is suffering great persecution, great persecution. And so he says to you, I wrote this letter to you to encourage you. And he's saying to whoever the pastor is at that church at that particular time, keep reading the letter. Now, why would he want them to read the letter? Why didn't he say to them, turn in your Bibles? They had no Bible. Put your iPhone on, your iPad. They had nothing. So all you could do was what? Read the letter. What have we done? I've obeyed the apostle Paul. I read the letter to you. That's why I ask you to have a Bible in your hand. We're way more blessed than they were. And some of you still don't get that. Oh, I'll just watch you, Pastor Mark. That's not the way it works. The word should be in front of you. Now, why would Paul be so commanding with that? Because of this. Faith comes from? And hearing by the? So have we learned anything by faith? Yeah. It's not because of me, because the word's powerful. You can't please God without faith. We've been here listening to the word of God, taught. What a blessing. What a privilege! Do you realize how many people in our world would love to be able to do that? I can't tell you all the times I went to underground churches in China and whatever, scared who's coming next. You never were afraid. We're blessed at the moment. It's going to change. Be careful. Hide the word in your heart. The author of the Bible lives in you. His name is the Holy Spirit. I want you to say this word with me. It's a little sentence. Holy Spirit, I'm ready. I'm willing to follow you wherever you lead. And I want you to say that from your heart. Let's do it. Holy Spirit, I'm ready, willing to follow you wherever you lead. See, wherever he leads you, it's the will of God. You don't have to doubt it. Well, Pastor Mike, that looks pretty scary. Good. It'll build your faith just like it builds mine. Realize, don't quench the spirit. Identify with him. Don't let him sit out in the yard like that fire and just go out. Because that fire that's going out is your zeal, your passion.
0: Today, Pastor Mark spent some time teaching about how the Holy Spirit purifies your spirit. He talked about the process of sanctification. He described what that is and how the Holy Spirit does that work in your life. He reminded you that God has promised to change you from the inside out, if you'll let Him, and that God has pledged to finish in you what He started. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This wraps up Pastor Mark's teaching following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Next time, he'll begin a brand new message called Encouragement in the Middle of Increased Persecution. You'll hear more about the troubles the Thessalonian Church was experiencing, as well as what's happening around the world now. You'll learn how you should react to persecution when it comes. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne.
1: In a hurry